Finally, evil has returned to the microphone. Welcome into Minions and Musings. Evil Jeff is with you once again. It has been two and a half months, roughly, I think, since the last time I recorded anything and pushed it out. Yeah, I told you I was going on a little bit of a break. Wasn't expecting quite as long of a break as it was, but needed some time away. But it's time to get back into the podcasting arena. Ah, feels kind of good to get back and start recording again. You know how it is. Sometimes it feels like a chore to get moving along, but other times you can feel all right with it. So what are we doing? Well, this is a mashup show. We're breaking the mold that we set up last uh, last year where we were keeping the call-ins separate from the content, which to me sounded like a good idea to kind of restart everything. So... We'll have a couple musings, we'll have some call-ins, you know how it's going to be. So, what shall we turn our attention to first? You have reached Minions and Musings. Please hold, your call is important to us. We've got just uh, three call-ins, two people, three call-ins, all referencing back to the last episode where I interviewed my uncle and talked to him about science fiction and fantasy books that he read and some other things. So if you haven't listened to that podcast, please go listen to it. And let's hear what Jason and then Che Webster of Roleplay Rescue have to say. Hey, Jason here. Really enjoyed your interview with your uncle. I think that's, I mean, you talk about, you know, just recording living history and, the, you know, doing audio recordings. It's much better quality and, and sounds much better than a lot of the audio recording, you know, audio histories that we hear. Of course, a lot of those are recorded in a lot worse conditions, too. <laughs> but, no, I, I think the sound quality is good to go. No, no complaints at all. Uh, I was sad that it's lightly edited. Um, now I'm messing with you. I, I thought it was good, you know, but on a technical note, I need to correct you. Let me push my glasses up. No, I'm kidding. All in all, really enjoyed it. I love stuff like this. I love hearing other people's thoughts and especially, you know, talk about how it was to be a science fiction reader back in the day and all that. So really great stuff. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, you know, you've done us a service. Thank you, sir. Hey, Jason, again, I guess I had an amendum to my call from your uncle's interview. Again, great interview. Yeah, the Gore novels, <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I'm i not into those novels. I've, like your uncle, kind of read the first couple. The I, the interesting thing to me about the Gore novels are a lot of your D&D guys and your early RPGers had read them because you see references to things from the novels in the games here and there. 
So that's kind of where I bring the gore stuff up because it is arguably one of the, you know, one of the texts they base the games on, right? The other thing, it's my fault for not sending the question in, and I realize it's not science fiction or fantasy, but I was sad you didn't ask his opinions about James A. Michener novels. So maybe you could ask him offline and let us know what he says. Talk to you later. Hey, Jeff, it's Che. Just uh, wanted to say thank you very much for your generous uh, sharing of the conversation with your uncle. I know I'm a little late to listening, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was great listening about science fiction. And um, yeah, loads of great recommendations there. So I just want to say thank you for that. And it was, it was really nice to hear a different perspective. It even got me considering whether I should actually try and invite my father to come and talk about the early days of wargaming in the UK. Because, uh, well, during the 70s, that was his hobby. And I don't even know how he got into it. Mm, maybe. Am I brave enough to ask? Anyway. I'm glad you were brave enough to ask your uncle, and cheers, man. Game on. Thank you guys for those calls. Yes, it's been a little while. Apologize for the lateness. Jason, we were just picking at you about the Gore novels. <laughs> we know your opinion of them. I just, when he mentioned them, I was uh, pleased to have another way to pick at you. So, you know how it is. And uh, thank you for your praise, Che. If anybody is not aware, Che did, in fact, contact his father, and there was an interview, and I believe that should be coming out very shortly, probably the same day I push out this podcast. So if you want to hear about the early days of Wargaming, go over to Roleplay Rescue. It's either the episode that he is just pushing out as of to the day this is... Uh, dropping or is the next week i'm not sure where but it should be soon so yes he did go and do it and i was uh cheerleading him on i <laughs> got contacted on discord when he made a mention of it and and pushed and pushed because it's an important thing so there we have it the call-ins now, let's move on. Thank you for calling Minions and Musings. We hope to hear from you again. So what are we going to talk about? Well, uh, what have I been doing? Well, it's been a little bit uh, interesting. I have actually been unemployed. Uh, the very beginning of December, we got word that we were going to be laid off. A inevitable thing uh, when companies get bought. You know, there's usually a 60 to 90 day period of shaking things out, figuring out how things are going to go. And usually there's some layoffs. Uh, coupling that with the technical training that we were doing. Uh, over the last several years, there's been a downward tick. And you could kind of see it coming. So uh, things just came about and we were told to be we were going to be laid off. My last day was actually 17th of December. I could have not worked. I could have just said, you know, hey, you told me December 1st, I'm laid off. You know what? I'm not doing anything else. Heck with it. But I decided 
it's better to get a full paycheck than try to get unemployment, you know? So we did that. We also had learned that the original uh, plan had been to actually lay us off a couple weeks prior to that. In fact, the week before American Thanksgiving occurred in November, but they said, no, let's make sure that those who are being affected by this had health insurance through the end of the year, which is a small gesture in their point. Uh, that was nice, but uh, when you also get hosed out of uh, vacation time that you had put in for, it kind of sucks, too, because they were like, oh, well, no, any separation, there's no there's no uh, payment for any uh, vacation time that you have, which to me was a bunch of crap, but it is what it is. So, I've been doing a couple of things. You know, one of the only benefits that we got from them is the fact that we were able to take training. And I was able to, I've been taking different training classes and so forth. I basically took the rest of December off, enjoyed Christmas with the family. And really haven't stressed out about not having a job. Yeah. I was thankfully to be in a position where got enough cash reserves and things going about that I could be unemployed for a couple months and we'd still be comfortable and figuring that this would be a probably a two to three month time frame for me to be reemployed. As I record this, I am looking at uh, two interviews that I have done recently uh, and feel fairly certain that one of them, maybe both of them, will promote, uh, put forth an offer of employment within the next week or so. So, I'll be back in the saddle once again. This time, instead of teaching, actually doing. Quit talking about some of those things and do many of the things that I taught about. So, exciting times. But you know what? We're not here to talk about employment and things like that. We're here to talk about gaming. First gaming I want to talk about is... My experience in Jay Webster's Infinite Game, his return to Mr. Mirror, the Northern Isles campaign that he's put forth. If you have not heard about this, I will put a link in the show notes. Most people, I believe, are listening to my podcast or listening to Che's podcast, but there's an off chance somebody's not. But this is his experiment of wanting to give players more immersion, him more immersion. And how's he doing that? He's pulled all the rules behind the GM screen. In fact, we don't even know what game it is. We've got clues, maybe. But I also don't think it's one particular game. I truly feel that Che's got two or three different things running back behind the screen. And you know what? doesn't matter. doesn't matter. I know if you go listen to the uh, his podcast, we had an interview uh, several weeks back about our experiences, myself and the two other players. And I highly suggest you go and listen to that podcast. 
But one of the things I stated in there, and I still think holds true, is about randomness. Does it really matter who rolls the die? Does it matter if I roll the die? Does it matter if the GM rolls the die? If we believe in true randomness, does it really matter? You holding the die and rolling it like you can influence it, then it's no longer random. So are you using loaded dice? Do you have a specific way of holding it and you know you can roll a specific number? Or you'll roll it in your little dice tray a certain way and because of that, the velocity it's used and everything, you know more often than not you can get it to roll a specific type of number. Then it's no longer random. You are doing things. This allows for true randomness. Well, I guess it does. But to us, it doesn't matter. It allows us to have greater immersion. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very interesting experience, very pleasing experience. I think anybody can go and do this. A couple things. And again, go listen to the podcast. You'll hear what we're talking about there. A lot more commitment on the GM to pull everything back behind the screen. He's got to be responsible for everything, all the roles and everything. So there is a bigger load on him that way. But you know what? He doesn't have to wait on somebody. Hey, roll this, roll that. Uh, what die do I roll again? He doesn't have to do that. He rolls it. He can adjudicate it quickly. You know, is he fudging the dice or anything? We don't know. We don't care. Because we are immersed in the story and we're seeing how it goes. Let's, let's talk about this immersion. Our characters don't know the term dragon. But we, our town, was attacked by a dragon. We could see it from a distance. So by the time we were able to return to town, it had been several hours. The town pretty burned up and everything. Um, we were able to find some survivors. So, we're, you know, it, it's been interesting and here's how I know that I was immersed. After our last session where we got back, we found survivors, we protected them from uh, some neighboring tribes that were raiders. Um, and we're not quite done with them yet. It dawned on me that everything that was in my character's backstory family, friends, and so forth, that Che had flippin' destroyed everything. And in my head, I realized how gutted that made me feel and how gutted my character would feel. Because there was that bit of shock. It really was. Sort of this shock as we got there and, and, and tried to make sense of what was going on. I think the other two players would say the same thing. And <laughs> it dawned on me after our session that everything was gone. And my entire backstory that we worked on was pretty much gone up in flames. And 
If I make that realization, when does my character make that realization? And how would my character react? <laughs> so we got a character that's going to be on tilt for a little bit. I, I, I really feel it because that's how I mentally was going with it, with the viewpoint I had with this character. So it's a, it's a great game, and I think many more people could get into that. It harkens back more to sort of an Arnesonian type thing, maybe even, you know, semi-free Kriegspiel, as Che says in one of his podcasts. Um, you know, do we miss rolling dice? Nah. In fact, that's just a lot. That's just one less thing I got to worry about. I can stay focused there and making sure that I, I try to keep my mind in the same mold, keep my viewpoint the same as what my character would have as I encounter the world that Che is putting forth. So, good stuff there. Good stuff. On Tuesday nights, we have changed things. Normal gaming group. Uh, the 5e campaign that we were in, uh, GM feeling a little burned out, still trying to come to grips with the power level that the characters were at, trying to make sure we were challenged enough, which, quite honestly, I think we were with the campaign that we were running. Uh, he was running Red Hand of Doom, and believe you me, that is challenging enough. Even though our characters are pretty strong, uh, you know, we're not dragon, you know, one dragon and 50 hobgoblins and a, uh, not a chimera, but something else. <laughs> we're not that strong. <laughs> uh, you know, we were cutting bait and running and getting the townspeople running too, but we decided to take a break from that. Uh, one of the other players decided that he would step up to GM, something he had been working with. And to me, it was definitely very Arnesonian. He came up with his own sort of system, uh, some generic characteristics. Uh, we were doing uh, D20 rolls and uh, the occasional D6 or D8 roll, depending on what we had there. Sort of a funhouse dungeon, kind of. There was an actual theme to it. You know, the classic trope of rats in the cellar. Well, this is actually rats in the tower. And you're trying to get to the top of the tower to uh, eventually end up breaking a curse. It was quite a fun game. It took a couple sessions. But it really hearkened to that sort of that feeling that I always read about with Arnesonian games. You just roll 2d6, and he might roll 2d6, and he kind of looks at the results and interprets them. It's very limited. We didn't really have a lot of rules that we had to worry about. So it was kind of narrative, and the GM really liked it. And I said, well, you know what? Let, let's keep up the narrativeness. Because I had mentioned, like, well, we could play some superhero stuff. He was looking at... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
I decided that I would go ahead and let's let's play a superhero role playing game. Now, personally, I would normally say, hey, let's do champions, or I'd even pull out GURPS if I really wanted to do that. You know, let's build a superhero. But what I needed was something that we could do quick. And I said, we need to find as rules light of a game as I could come up with something that allowed for character creation to be fairly quick or I could use characters that didn't have to have overly complicated character sheets and a simple enough resolution system. Knowing that this was going to lead to a little bit more narrative type of approach. So I went through several things. I looked at Fate Core, said maybe not enough. It just needed a little bit more streamlined, realized that I could get a hold of Fate Accelerated, which was uh, available for free. Got that read and said, you know what, this should work. Found some characters uh, that were online, free to use. I uh, then actually did buy a couple of little things from DriveThru. And I have run one session of Fate Core, uh, Fate Accelerated. And it's been an interesting thing because I immediately had to make sure that the players understood. Here, it's not so much, you know, there is no number. You know, the biggest change for them was the fudge dice. You know, pluses and minuses. You know, so you're trying to get as many plus as they may, positives as you can to resolve things. You know, and I had to get them to understand that and how they narrated their character, how they talked about the fiction, what they were doing and so forth, could lead to that. And by the end of that session, it was evident that they understood at that point. It's like, okay, if I, you know, I want to do X, so they came up with a reasonable way in the su- in a superhero <laughs> type of environment of how that was going to occur. So yeah, definitely much more narrative. And our previous GM was like, this is great. That was what he was looking for. One of the things that we kind of realized in 5e, the, the trend is that when you killed something, you described how you killed it. And, that's, and he was always enjoying that. All the other stuff, he might have been sweating everything, but whenever we killed a monster, or especially really defeated it, it's like, okay, how does that look? And when we narrated that, he enjoyed it. And I kind of got that feeling. It's like, okay, you know, this is more what he wants. To him, having more narration, less rolling, helps him with his immersion. So... Uh, good experiment, actually, for me to try to pick up Fate Accelerated. Uh, make sure I understood it enough. Because to me, I like to make sure if I'm going to run something, I want to run it properly. But as I got preparing for it, uh, and for the last session, I also then went, you know what? I don't have to know all the rules. They don't know the rules. I'm the one that knows the rules. So I tell them what I know, and I'm just going to introduce little pieces at a time, get them into it more and more, 
And if we decide to continue on with a superhero cam campaign, uh, we're probably going to make other characters because these, the characters they're using are, you know, quite powerful. And I want to kind of build up a different sort of campaign. But it, you know, quick enough to do. So yeah, it was a, it's a, a good experiment to get into and, and try things out. Um, I don't know if I want to play a full campaign forever and ever with Fate Accelerated. Um, I like the idea of doing some small, little, not so much a one-shot as you guys know, but some adventure or two with some characters, maybe do some other things. Maybe continue playing Fate Accelerated, but changing the sort of environment that we're doing. Does it have to be superhero? You know, it could be fantasy. Though he's trying to get away from fantasy. That was the other thing that he mentioned. He'd like to play something else. So I was like, okay, well, we could bring up spies. We could bring up monster hunters. You know, there's a lot of that out there. You know, we could create characters in such a way. Now that they see how to do it. Now, yeah, and I think to me that's probably the toughest part about fate is how do you create the characters effectively? There's not enough examples in there in the rule set that I read um, to really help you be effective with that. And that may be more because I am more of a numbers person than a words person. Yeah, I can talk day, all day long, twice on Sunday, but when it gets down to it, Numbers, to me, I can glance at and understand quickly. I like that quantitative sort of measurement. But qualitative, you know, trying to put something into a qualitative thing and, and trying to make sure it makes sense and so forth, uh, that to me is a little bit more restrictive. I have a little bit harder time, so, you know, something i got to work on. I just listened back to that last little segment and try to see how the sound is in this room. I'm recording in a different room, um, what background noise you can hear and so forth. And it's interesting because I think I'm picking up one of the dogs snoring in a different room. <laughs> the last game I want to kind of muse about for a second is one that I played last night. Uh, Paul also known as Heptilemma, over on some of your Discord servers out there. Uh, I had played in a Mage The Awakening with him. I don't remember which one it is. It used to be, what, Mage The Ascent, now it's Mage The Awakening, or vice versa, whatever. The latest version of Mage. I've always liked that sort of, that particular part of the world of darkness that made more sense to me than vampire than werewolf than changeling what was the other one wraith you know it, it made more it to me it it felt more natural sort of <laughs> and I, I liked it so i played it a game with him a while back and he had put out a note Something on Discord the other day, 
uh, with uh, trying to set something up with uh, Jason over Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Uh, talking about Iron Sworn, also talking about Scarlet Heroes that he was trying to find a rule set for. And I told him, it's like, and I jumped in on the conversation and said, hey, you know, you're trying to get Jason in on that. Cool. Don't count me out. I'd love to be counted in on that. I don't know. I like playing Jason. And also that Scarlet Heroes, that some rule set I'd like to play. Well, Heptilemma, Paul, went, hey, you want to play Iron Swarm? You got time? And as it turns out, you know, I have time. <laughs> So we actually played last night. I have the Iron Swarm rules. Had not really looked at it. So started looking at it Monday. Uh, he and I had a call. We got the world truce together. The character background. You know, kind of came out of the world truce. How I was envisioning it. And such. And then played last night. So it says so much of a solo. One on one game uh, iron sworn again a narrative thing uh what it's based off of or heavily influenced by powered by the apocalypse so here i'm using more words and that's where i had to uh understand once again what i said how i said it uh meant something which then is how we rolled now granted we're rolling this on foundry and I remember him talking about it on one of the Discord servers about some of the randomness there and how random was it, you know, and is there is Foundry's RNG really random? Uh, those first several rolls, it didn't feel very random. I will tell you that. <laughs> it did not feel that way. But over the course of four hours, kind of looked at the rolls, it seemed like it was fairly random. One of the most interesting parts of it was that, you know, rolling uh, 2d10, uh, each die being separate as part of the uh, action economy, whatever, I don't know how I want to term that. I have a, I'm rolling a d6 plus uh, bonuses off attributes and trying to exceed a number that's on a D10, and you've got to roll better. You know, If you can exceed the numbers on 2D10, strong hit, 1D10, weak hit, don't do it at all, you miss. Can be some complications. Uh, an interesting mechanic. But the bonus that you use is based upon your approach. Very much like what I had been doing with my players in the Fate Accelerated game. The approach that they took helped lead them to the bonus that they got for their action. And I quickly grokked that, so went about that. So yeah, uh, Iron Sworn, a, a cool system. I liked it. The world is definitely interesting. The fact that the world truce that they give you can give you such a different feeling of the world to where you could be something highly grounded, something that could be realistic in our history, just an alternative his history, to something rather fantastic. 
and every shade in between. And it's not just that. You can create your own in there. So a lot of differences between games. Same map for everybody, but no two worlds would be exactly alike. And it's a pretty cool way of doing it. So I've been doing a lot more narrative stuff. <laughs> not just rolling. It's been more narrative. So yeah, there's a, a lot of interesting gaming going on over the last several weeks. Well, that's a lot off my chest and a lot of stuff been up. A lot more things I thought I was going to talk about and that's a lot more time in there. <laughs> this is a longer episode than I expected. So, I wanted to kind of give you a heads up of what's coming up. One of the things I mentioned back on a Discord server back beginning of January or so forth was I was uh, pointed out that uh, Talislanta is it Talislanta? Um, several people point out that it was totally free. So I went and downloaded all the PDFs and everything and decided I was going to go through it and give it a look. So over the next several weeks, uh, I'm just going to kind of report on my opinion of Talislanta. Some of you probably have it. May not have read it. Some of you probably have read it. I believe uh, Carl Rodriguez, Geomologist Presents. I believe he's done that before. But I just kind of wanted to look at it and get an idea of the system itself. But I think to me, the the part that was always intriguing that when we saw it in the ads and so forth in Dragon Magazine and, so forth and such, they always advertised no elves. And I'm like, what is this? I, I got to go figure out what this is. So, yeah. Next several podcasts uh, will be more opinion pieces. So if you don't want to listen to that, that's cool. Uh, am I deep diving it? No, I'm not going to deep dive it. But I am going to do this. I am going to go through the different editions. So I'm just going to start off with first edition. You know, looking at mainly the main rules and the other supplements in there. Give you a little feedback. Go on to 2nd edition, 3rd edition, 4th edition, 5th edition, and then kind of give you my idea of which one would be a good place to start. You know, I've heard that 4th uh, and 5th edition, you know, 5th edition being the most recent one, are definitely uh, better, but I don't know yet. So, just going to give you my opinion, but if you don't know already, haven't seen it, uh, like I said, Talislanta is totally free. It is available out there. There's a Talislanta library. You can download pretty much everything. There are a couple things I think that you would actually have to go pay for somewhere, but for the most part, I downloaded everything. It's It was well over two and a half gigs total of PDFs. There are original PDF scans, and then there are optimized scans. The optimized scans are much smaller, but you do lose a lot of 
information resolution out of it. Uh, that was the one thing that I saw uh, on a couple of these scans that were so-called optimized. They were not as easy to read as the original, personally. So, when you get them, decide which one you want to use there. Again, I, I downloaded them all, and it's still just over 2.5 gigs. It's like 2.7 gigs total. And I don't really think I got... I think I did drop off one or two things I was like didn't not really interested in. So, that's where we're heading. Uh, will this drop every Saturday? <sighs> don't know. I'd like to keep it on schedule, but... This is definitely going to fall into the category of uh, as I read it, as I have the availability, the time, uh, when I'm not doing any training and so forth, and as I anticipate a new job coming up, uh, a fair amount of time being spent making sure that I'm uh, up to snuff with the new job and how things work, etc. So... Maybe a little bit hectic, little loosey-goosey with our recording schedule, but everything will still drop on a Saturday. Just there might be a week or two in between some of them, just to let you know. All right, I think I'm going to go uh, wake up the snoring dogs and get them outside so they can do their business. Of course, you say the word outside, most of the time they perk up and everything, but they're not even flinching at the moment, so I think I do need to wake them up. Keep on gaming, guys. Be safe out there. And we'll see you around.